Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Thank you for listening and for being a part of the Relatable community. Parents and teens, a must-listen interview. Sonia Williams is my guest. She is the Acting Manager of Student Services Support for Fairfax County, grades 7 through 12. This is a recent position, and prior to that, she was a Director of Student Services for Fairfax County. Sonia shares how she found her passion to work with students, and she talks about her own process for finding out who she is and ultimately how she learned to love herself. Sonia gives us and teens fantastic advice and counsel on a variety of topics. I may or may not have listened to this conversation or discussion a few times already to make sure I caught it all. Sonia is genuine, funny, and vulnerable. Enjoy this episode. I think we'll start, Miss Sonia, <laughs> first with uh, me saying thank you for doing this and, and having this conversation. We've met a couple of times now, and um, given my interests and what I'm passionate about, I think they're closely aligned to what you're passionate about. And so I've been looking forward to this conversation and hearing about you personally and your own career path and how you've navigated that. But then I also think we get the added bonus of your specialty and the discipline that you're involved in. And that also, I think, can be a huge benefit to our listeners and particularly some of our parents and maybe even young adults. You know, I, I hope uh, that young adults listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're pushing for that. We're trying to get a little bit more awareness out there in terms of podcasts can be for anybody. And so this is a place where people can learn and and be inspired and be educated and all that good stuff. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the offer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so maybe we could start with uh, where you are today. Like, what is your current role? And I know it just switched, but maybe talk, <laughs> talk a little bit about your current role and maybe like your role before your current role because it's so new. So I am 13 days into um, a new role as <laughs> acting manager of school counseling um, support for Fairfax County Public Schools grades seven through 12. It's been a huge shift. Um, I'm only right now scheduled to do this for April, May, and June. And then going back to my other position, this is an acting position to um, help out in the offices. So I'm honored that I was asked. I'm honored that I'm a part of the office and I'm honored to be able to make hopefully an impact if I can in this next three months. Previous to that, Director of Student Services with Fairfax County Public Schools. And I think that title, people get caught up in like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Um, so it, it means a lot of different things. Um, for me, it really means I'm the director of all things that have to involve students, right? So yeah. that means everything um, <laughs> in a high school. So yeah. yes, the title definition is overseeing counselors and testing um, and things of that nature. But for me, it's the oversight of the whole school building functions for students so that they get what they need um, and what they need as far as community resources as well. So a big job that I love. Huge job, huge job. And tell me um, what, in terms of your background, I'm just curious, 
what your degree was in or what types of degrees did you know for you to be in that role what typically do you see for people that are counselors in the high school level or you know when we talk about being part of administration in schools what what typically do you see as far as degrees or background that support those kind of careers so i think everything in the school every position in the school has a ton of different backgrounds and careers. And I don't think there's just one path. Okay. I think there are a lot of people who end up working in schools because their heart and soul got them there, an experience, um, an event, a mm-hmm. life challenge, or just their love for working with students and teaching or um, having the big impact um, in the world, I think is what truly leads people to a school setting for me. Um, So I've always been a talker. I've always uh, been vocal. I've always been that person that could advocate for herself. Um, My mom tells me stories of when I was a little girl and my best friend, my first best friend in kindergarten refused to speak. And I spoke for her. I told the teacher what she needed. And I told her friends to be nice to her. And I told her mom what she needed to. So I, it was a balance being bossy, but also advocating for what I could sense and feel around me for what that person needed. So I guess in my older age, I'm looking back on it and saying it was destined. It was destined for me to work with students. It was destined for me to be a student advocate. I, it, it started from the beginning. Wow. Um, there, um, you know, I did what everybody else does. I went to elementary, middle school, high school, and then went off to college for the simple purpose of getting away from home. I'm an right. only child, <laughs> and I just wanted to get away from my parents, right? So went off to college and thought, okay, well, everybody says I'm talkative, got a big mouth, I might as well look into law school because that's where you could like talk all the time, right? You right. Could, like the movies, right? You could stand up and advocate, fight for people and win. The time I went to school, there was no real, I wasn't aware of any true pre-law track. So it was kind of like you could kind of explore anything. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to look at law, I'm going to figure out like criminals. I'm going to figure out like what criminals do, that's what I'm going to do. So I started um, at VCU and majored in criminal justice. Okay. And then I loved it. And I was like, once again, I'm loving college, loving being away, loving this freedom. I'm going to double major. Let me figure out now, like, what's the psyche behind all these criminals? So then I started majoring in psychology. So I ended um, VCU with a double major, criminal justice and psychology got out there, went back home, uh, well, applied to law school, took the LSTAT. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Mm. I cried in the middle of the test, put my pencil down, like, okay, well, this is over. I've got to come up with a new plan because (laughs) this test is any reflection of me being successful in law school. Like, girlfriend's got to make a new plan because (laughs) this ain't it. So realized in the middle of the LSTAT, nope, got to come up with something else. Um, And this was towards the end of, you know, my bachelor's program. So kind of was like, okay, well, I'm just going to graduate and go into the world of work and find a job and then figure out what to do next. Because I really have no idea. I just thought this is what I was going to do. And I'm a failure. Went into the world of work. It was like, okay, you have this psychology degree and a criminal justice degree. It's kind of like, what are you going to do with that? What jobs are out there? Um, And somebody told me about the local detention center for juveniles. And I was like, yeah, okay. 
that's perfect. And then I'm going to be a probation officer, which is going to get me into the courtroom. And then I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah. So still had thought, okay, I'm going to get back to this lawyer plan, even though, you know, God was letting me know, like, this ain't for you, babe. Um, and went to work in Fairfax County's juvenile detention center. Loved it. Loved it. But juvenile detention is open 365 days Mm. and you get scheduled for Christmas and you get scheduled for Valentine's Day and you get scheduled for Mother's Day. And I struggled with that. Um, Very oriented with my family, loved my family at the time I was dating. He was going to be my husband, but at the time he was my long-term boyfriend. I struggled dating and I struggled being this family person that I grew up being because work was work and you got these different shifts. And even though I was having these great conversations with youth and, and feeling like I was mentoring them to make better decisions and that we were talking through some of their bad decisions. And I felt like I was making an impact and I loved it. Ultimately, I didn't like going to work on Christmas and other holidays. So I said, okay, how can I do this before kids get to jail and get my holidays off? And I started researching and thinking, like, how do you counsel kids? And thinking at one point I was going to be a psychologist, a school psychologist or something. And then it was like school counselor popped up on, like, the Google search. Mm -hmm. And Marymount University, I was Fairfax County, you know, kid. And I was living in Fairfax County again. And Marymount University had this great, reputable school counseling program. And I had bills to pay. They had a 90% job placement rate. And I was like, well, duh, if I can go through this program and 90% of the graduates find a job right out of school, this makes the money that I'm going to spend worth it. And so I did it. Can I ask you a question too, just about, about what you just described? Were you someone who was fairly self-motivated and self-directed? So when you talk about going to VCU and when you talk about pursuing even law, but then kind of pivoting and right. Is, is that all your self-motivated, self-directed? Do you have a lot of support behind you? What did you have in terms of like, did you like school? Were you someone that did well in the academic space and it, did that come, was that comfortable for you? Lots of questions there. Um, (laughs) I knew how to play the school game, Mm. right? So I was not highly intelligent, but I knew how to memorize enough. I knew how to be charming enough for the teachers to be academically successful, earning decent grades. I love that. Looking back on it, I did not understand and know enough about college options to make good choices at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I was an only kid, so I just chose a college that that was convenient. Close for my parents to get to. I had a lot of family in North Carolina. It was a matter, all my decisions were made out of convenience, not necessarily out of a drive or motivation, more like a sequencing of events and and, and luck and somebody else's plan. Um, I can't give myself the title of being heavily motivated and driven. It was just kind of like failures, like failing the LSAT made me had to come up with another plan mm-hmm. you know? and the small things are what drove me. Like I don't want to live at home. Right. right. So right. that drove me to go to college. It wasn't that I wanted college and I wanted a college degree. I, I wanted to finally be free from my 
overbearing parents who had only me to focus on. So You know what I, I really like about what you describe in terms of understanding the system and recognizing your strengths in that system? So when you talked about high school and being charming and figuring it out and figuring out what you needed to do, I think that's really important because there's a lot of people that I think are in high school and think there's only one way to be successful. And that's for the people that are super bright and it comes very easy to them and they just blow through with the four plus, you know, 4.0 plus. And and I think there's a lot of us, myself included in that, that there's other ways to be successful and to figure out that system. And to your point, if you're using not just charm, but like you're getting to know your te- teachers, you're building relationships, you're you're doing the best that you can with what you have. That also serves you long term when you hit other bumps in the road like you just described. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I really like that you called that out because I think that's such a great life lesson. Yeah. Like I knew I wasn't the smartest and I knew that there was, I mean, there were certain parts that were other people drove me to do things. I mean, like there is something to be said about you know, parental and home values, you know, I knew that it was unacceptable in my household to have certain grades or to have a teacher call home, right? Like that, that was a no, no. Like if a teacher has to call me and I have to stop working, that was a major consequence. If that happened in my house, because my parents were hardworking people that were trying to make ends meet. My value system, I guess you could say was my motivation to be charming and to to recognize like, okay, what do I have to do to prevent minimally the teacher calling home? Minimally, you know, my parents getting called into a parent-teacher conference. Okay, so I don't want to do this. Like, I don't really want to learn government, but (laughs) I'm going to do what I need to do to get to things I want. So I guess that is a little bit of intrinsic motivation because there was something I wanted out of that, but it wasn't something like, I'm going to get a new iPhone or I'm going to get a TV. It was more like, I want peace and and calmness in my house. So I'm going to do what's necessary to get that peace and calmness to get where I want to be eventually, which is out of the house and off to school. Right, right. So I want to talk about two things, and maybe I'll just start with um, your role as the director of career services no counseling. What's the exact? The I'm always confused about that. <laughs> Director title. of student services. Oh, it's everything. And it, my new one is so my old one. Director of student services. My new one is acting manager of student services support. Wow. Yeah. And how long have you been in that working in that capacity? So you let when you left the mm-hmm. rehabilitation world. So I left juvenile detention um, in 2002 and went into the school system in 2002 and started off as a school counselor um, and then eventually worked my way up to director. And I've been doing the director work since 2011, 2010, 2011, somewhere along that. And I know that we could probably spend a whole podcast on this, but I, <laughs> I if, 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 with respect to time, I, I am curious at least maybe we'll go to current day, like what do you see as some of the academic and social pressure that kids are facing from your perspective? Um, So oftentimes we talk on this podcast about people in their middle school and high school years and what that pressure feels like or felt like and how it impacted them long-term. And so you have this unique view that, that, 
we as parents don't have in terms of you see something holistically, you see scale probably that we can't even fathom around what are some of the themes that, and maybe it's partly validating for us what we think they are, but I, I'm curious if we may be off on some of this stuff, right? And, and, and again, like I know there's probably, it's not just three answers, right? Because people are right. complicated and there's a lot of different layers to this. I am curious though, if you, if there were some common themes, what would you say from your observations you're seeing? I think the biggest common theme that I see is nobody wants to fail, right? Mm. So nobody wants to fail their parents fail in school. So how people respond to, I'm, I'm scared to fail, mm-hmm. um, whether that's socially, parents, or whatever, is is what we see. So if I'm scared to fail, I could maybe avoid. Maybe I'm just not going to even try. Maybe I'm not even going to put forth my effort. And that's so frustrating as a parent, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, why? I know you're, I know you can, but why aren't you trying? Well, I'm scared to fail, so I don't even want to try. And then there's the extreme of, I'm so scared to fail at this thing that I'm going to overcompensate with this thing. So like, I'm so scared to fail academically that maybe I'm going to overcompensate socially. Mm. And so I am out there, like I'm going to all the parties and I'm drinking and I'm TikToking and I'm doing whatever. Um, So I think there's, that's, if you made, if you forced me to come up with just three themes, that's a huge one. I think there is this huge Northern Virginia academic pressure to go to a particular subset of colleges. And the only way to go is to be the best of the best and the top of your class. And so that creates like this grade grubbing, maybe even overextending, maybe even putting yourself in classes you don't even enjoy. Maybe it it looks very different, right? But the whole purpose and foundation of it is I've been destined to go to University of Virginia. And the only people that get in in Northern Virginia are 4.0 kids. So I've got to do whatever it takes to get to a 4.0. And that takes me a little bit out of my character. I might cheat. I might, whatever. Mm -hmm. Who knows what could happen in trying to achieve that goal. Um, and then if you forced me to come up with a third, I think, which is a new one for me as a 40 some year old adult, which is this whole pressure to be socially connected, mm-hmm. you know? So as an adult right. who's lived without cell phones and who's lived without the internet, <laughs> I know, <laughs> maybe just, uh, uh, I, you know, I've lived without these things. And so self-care for me is like to detach Like if you told me do something, you only have 30 minutes to totally calm down from the stresses of the world. The first thing I would do is unplug my internet, unplug my phone, cut off my computer and go and sit and enjoy the moment. Right. But to a kid, I'm not even going to say to a kid, to, to lots of us, because adults included, what I miss in that 30 minutes, I can't possibly, oh my God, the 30 minutes, like if I miss that in 30 minutes, I'm 30 minutes behind. 30 minutes behind is like an hour behind. I got to catch up from that 30 minutes and keep going. That drive, that social connectedness. I I don't even feel like some students can get a full night of sleep. You know, like I have a 15 year old and 
his phone is like by his bed. And I'm like, dude, you could sleep so much better if you just cut that off. But instead, you can't tell me that two or three o'clock in the morning when that thing is vibrating against your bed five or six times in a row, you don't open your eyes and look on what's going on. Right. So yeah. you're never that that just but he can't if I go in there and take it away from him, it's like even if he's done nothing, right? Like Punishment. you take it away, you're punished. Right. right. But if I go in there and say, I just want you to get good night's sleep, so I take it away from you, there's this whole mental health breakdown. <laughs> Why? What did I do? Mm-hmm. I'm I, I didn't do anything to you. I'm I'm right. You can't that yeah. piece is new. So yeah. It's so interesting. My top three. It's so interesting during this quarantine, we've we've tried to put in some boundaries with all the tech, and so we've taken them away for a couple hours at a time. and And I have three boys, and I've made them do it all at the same time because I'm hoping to build some connection between the three of them. <laughs> and so, and that was a fight. Just that whole negotiation to say, I'm not you know, some things are negotiated, some things aren't. But I do let them. I do like them to think they have a voice. <laughs> and so. Mm-hmm. So we ultimately we got this. They got to pick the time of day that the block was going to occur, and so uh, it was funny. The first day they were within earshot of the oldest, the fun, you know, and so he's working on something, and they're all laughing, and then he hears the ding, 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 and the vibrating, and and we all just started laughing because he was like, "I have to see what it is," and I yeah. was like, "No, you really don't. It can, you know." And it was we yeah. can laugh about it, but. You're right. I think there's, and I think you're right in that. I don't know that we can possibly relate to what that, because for us or for to me, it seems a little bit like vapor. It's not real. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these things I could say about it, but for them, it's very much a part of their connection. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, or for information on our upcoming workshops, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. And I would even go to challenge that, though, and I would say, let's, especially right now when we're quarantined. Yep. I would challenge adults to say how many of us right now being quarantined, we're working from home or walking around with an AirPod in to hear the, the work conversation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are going to dinner now with our cell phones because we're scared our boss might need us. Right. They're, this whole quarantine situation of working from home, setting up boundaries is hard. Yeah not modeling our boundaries at all i'm so guilty of this right so this is this is what i do every day and i talk to kids about boundaries and parents and balance and compromise right this is this is what i live and breathe and and i'm horrible with it at home i'm horrible because if i know that there's a deadline coming up or if i know something big is happening then i'm walking around with that work phone Right. And I'm looking at it. And right. sometimes I'm fussing with my kids looking at my work phone. So yeah. I'm looking at two sides out of my head, right? Like I'm asking you, the kid, to let it go. But then me, the adult, here's the ding, 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 or the email, ping, ping, ping. Yeah. And I'm having the same reaction. My heartbeat's going. I'm trying to wrap up the conversation with the kid. I might even as an adult, secret, secret, I might as an adult say, go clean your room. Right. So that I can go run and then go check <laughs> yeah, yeah. for my own yeah, yeah. self. So we adults are just as bad. I, I think it's 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 a sad place to be. And that's why vacation and 
and and these other times are so important to to do a vacation or to do what you said which is to come up with this agreed upon time that we're just that nobody's going to do it right. like everybody has to commit to that nobody I know. because if one person breaks the rule then the rule is trash yeah it's pointless and there are fun things you could do with your kids like we're all seeing through quarantine right there's right. fun things you can right. do with your kids that connects you and your kid together through their love of technology like the family tiktoks that you have seen right now mm-hmm. are hilarious yeah and it's great because your kid is going to introduce you to this world that for the first time like they didn't want you on their tiktoks before they didn't want you to see that but now they want to they don't have anything else they to don't have about. anything else right there's so like, now they need you to make no that other TikTok content video, right yeah they need it it's for the content right yeah let me ask you this question in terms of your, the thing around failure, it's interesting. We interviewed someone um, at Duke who um, talked about, he's the director of Olympic sport and he talked a lot about failure and about fear of embarrassment and that being such a driver of a lot of behavior. So if that is consistent, even in college, and it's, cons- I would even say that's probably consistent back to when we were growing up, like nobody wants to look like an idiot. And and I, I really liked what you said about this idea that, um, and I maybe was one of these people, like if I think I can't do it academically, I leaned way in socially because that's where I felt good and that's where I got a lot of validation. And so then I didn't spend any time developing those other muscles because I felt like I I couldn't or I wasn't going to be good enough. So I'm curious, what counsel do you have for for people that, um, and I'm sure we can't, you know, it's not going to fix it in, you know, five or 10 minute answer, but what are some of the things that you share with your kids about this this dimension of, of like kind of fear-based living or, and, and how can we, how, how can like individuals work through it and then maybe how can parents help with it i think the first the easiest part of answering that question for me is the parent piece okay is uh, Brene brown says it very well majority of her books which is be vulnerable as an adult right like i have had to tell my kids i feel like i'm failing you as a mom right like i've had to say I think I know what I'm doing, but there was no book that came with you when I brought you home from the hospital. And right. And there are times when we as parents get upset about something and we go hide that. Like, we'll go out with girlfriends and have happy hour. We'll go with our spouse or our significant other behind closed doors and, right. and not share that emotion with our kids. Right. And so we have to role role model it, right? We have to start saying like, oh, that sucked. I failed. That sucked. I did whatever it is. Right, right. I think the first time I said on a work call, my kids overheard me. Oh my God, that sucks. Oh, I can't believe I created that. My kids were like, oh, you said sucked at work. Like, you know, like it's like we have to be human beings. We're not perfect, right? Like. And we need to start showing that we can be vulnerable and that we're not perfect. I think that's the first step that parents can do is to say, I failed at this, whether it's, I failed at something at work, whether it's, I I feel like I failed with something at home. So Mm -hmm. I no longer say to my kids, I'm disappointed that you made that decision. I now use the words like, I feel like a failure as a mom because you made that decision. Mm. 
because mm-hmm. I feel like I should have taught you better. Right, right. And that's really the feeling I feel, right? That's why I'm saying I'm disappointed because ultimately I felt like I taught you not to do that. You did it. I'm disappointed in you. But ultimately it comes back to I did yeah. something wrong, right? So I think too scared. Like I remember sometimes of my kids when they're, because they're really active and they're boys and they get hurt and I get scared, but I get mad that they're hurt when really I'm afraid that they're really hurt. Like I, like that really identifying, like, what are you really feeling? Um, and, and I've had to go back sometimes and say, I'm not, I'm really not mad at you. I, I was worried and I felt like it could have been prevented and I should have done something better. Right. So that's such an interesting way to frame it and a lens to look through that yeah and then what do you think yeah what do you think about um for kids or um we've had a couple of young adults on here that have told stories about you got to face it like whatever it is Mm -hmm. you just gotta like white knuckle it like sometimes the more scary it is the if you can get through it the more confidence you get from it so that's one thing we've learned but i'm curious if there's other things from uh and is it i don't want to poo poo that thought right like because that's true right like you're never going to face your fears until you face them right like you gotta gotta face them you gotta white knuckle it and get through it at some point but that's so easier said than done yeah Oh, and so you, you really have to, I think the key though, is identify like, what are you really afraid of? Like, I think that's the thing too. Like we're responding out of fear, but what are you afraid of? Are you fear of it? Are you afraid of being embarrassed? Like what, what is it? Like, are you just afraid of that thing? Like, are you afraid of jumping or like what? I So I would say it's identifying what you're afraid of first before just white knuckling it through anything and everything. And then I think it's like for kids, I I tell kids all the time, like, who are you trying to impress? Mm -hmm. Who is here for you the long term? Like, look at your older siblings, look at your cousins, look at your family. Who, who's here for you long term? Like who gathers at the table? Think about a funeral you've been to. Who's there? It's, it's typically family and one or two besties. So why are you trying to impress the 600 people in your senior class? Mm-hmm. So get to that root. Like, who are you trying to impress? Who means something to you? Who's going to be there for you? Um, and a lot of times I'm fortunate that I'm able to talk to kids when they're going through something bad. Right, right. Right. So I can use that moment to say, okay, you just got caught drinking because you were passed out well, who was there for you when you were passed out? Who got you help? You know, like, this is just a random example. Sure, like, sure. Who, who, who picked you up from being passed out? Like who, who got you the help and who walked away from you? So, so what, so that's who you need to care about. That's who you need to care about what they, what their perception of you is. Mm-hmm. And then there's another piece to this, as I say that word perception is having the conversation of what's perception versus what's reality. Like I tell my boys all the time when they walk outside and they're like, oh my gosh, is my shirt this way? Is my hair this way? I need a haircut. Oh, I can't believe you're driving the old car. What, whatever it is, right? Right. I'm like, who do you think you are in this world that they're paying attention to you? It's like true. what what makes you so important that that person walking down the street is paying attention to you? Right. And are you carrying yourself in a way all the time that makes you that relevant? 
Right. And should you carry yourself differently? Right. Cause like if everybody's paying attention to you, dude, then what are you doing with that power? <laughs> like, so you could always flip it as a parent. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay? Everybody's paying attention to you. What are you going to do with that power? Are you going to be a leader or are you just going to be the fashion? icon? what, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with the power? So great. I love that. And then what about uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of talk more about you personally, and I'd love to hear more about like kind of your, your younger years, but what about resources that are available? So I would think that in your position, you're seeing, you know, some small percentage of your overall population or some percentage, maybe it's not small, given what you just described, like it's if they're in trouble, if they're in crisis, if there's a situation that has now occurred that creates that intersection of you and them. But there's a lot of kids that aren't necessarily in crisis or having situations that um, are sort of getting lost in the crowd, right? Or don't know or or, or aren't aware of all the resources that are available in a department like yours, like that anybody can can take advantage of. So I do want to do a little bit of a commercial (laughs) around that because I think it's like, it's a great opportunity to say, hey, these are things that are available. And if you're proactive and take advantage of them, it could really help you. I I think the first thing I would say to to that is nothing in this life were we meant to do alone. Mm -hmm. And that's the first step to realize you're not meant to do anything alone. When you accept that, then you can start to see the resources that are right in front of you. So Fairfax County is a wonderful county as a whole. It's a county full of resources. So if you go to school, you have trusted adults in schools, whether it be your teachers, there's, there's, a, there's at least one cool teacher right. in the building. Like, right. There's at least one. Right. Um, you have these wonderful school counselors who are there because they love it. They're not there because of the paycheck, right? That's <laughs> peon. That's nothing. Yeah. Um, they're there because they love it. So you have these wonderful school counselors. You've also got school psychologists in a building. You've got school social workers in a building. A school psychologist is there for more clinical help, like mental health resources, mm-hmm. but that school social worker, a social worker's job by definition is to connect you with resources. Okay. It's to connect you to what you as an individual need. So it's hard for me to go through this long list of resources because it's so individual about what that individual needs, whether it's you need food, there's tons of food banks, whether it's you need mental health services, well, there's Fairfax County Community Services Board that has tons of resources that can, can get you connected. Are you in an immediate crisis? Well, there's a wonderful thing called crisis link. You don't even have to talk. You can text them mm. um, and text your concerns. Then there are all these other resources that are just out there because of the fact that the majority of us have a smartphone or internet service. Mm-hmm. So there are all these connected support groups. Like you gotta be careful, but there's all of those wealth of resources that are out there. You can order a journal. You can you can do all of these things. And right now, with everything quarantined, yeah. there's so many apps that are free that are wonderful resources. Mm-hmm. The Calm app to learn how to meditate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just so many out there. But let's go back to the basics. If you're going through something and you feel out of whack and out of sorts, go to the trusted adult that you have. Who is that? Your yeah. your auntie, your mom, your dad, your school counselor start there because you're not meant to do anything in this world by yourself i'm not you're not yep yep you know if i'm having a bad day i pick up the phone and i go mommy (laughs) i'm not too old to say (laughs) i need help yeah Uh, yeah and i 
point me in the right direction. Um, and I, I think that. that's, the, that's the key. That's awesome. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfreemanassociates.com. So let's talk just a little bit about you. We covered it a, a touch earlier, but in terms of your middle school and high school, I mentioned this to you. We really like to talk about, I love that time frame because I do think there's such, there, I, it feels like such a um, important time when you're in it. And then you realize as you grow up and you have all these other experiences, maybe doesn't mean everything you thought it did at the time. But, but for you, like, was there anything in particular either a challenge or a success or anything that really shaped how you started to um, see yourself or how you started to kind of show up in the world that, that, you know, has shaped who you are today. And, and, and again, it's like a lesson learned or, um, or something that you felt like really helped you. That's so interesting that you say show up in the world. Woo. That, that feels powerful. That that's, um, woo. it's intimidating. Um, <laughs> I feel like looking back on like middle school, I feel like I was awkward like most middle schoolers. Like yeah. I, I looking back, I feel like I was just this awkward person that was trying to figure out what group I fit into and doing things more out of because it was cool and had nothing to do with anything I liked or disliked or anything. It was just like I just want to be accepted and I don't want anybody to tease me. Like right. I just wanted to be included. It was I didn't want to be the last one picked. That was middle school for me. It was a short period of time of lots of awkwardness. Um, and then going into high school, I felt like it was very awkward too. And I was very fortunate. I feel like I went to kind of an eclectic high school, lots of diversity and people from different backgrounds, socioeconomic and racial and cultural. Um, so I feel like I was exposed to a lot of things, but there were still cliques. There were still groups. And so I, I still feel like high school was awkward. It was hard. It was, it was hard to make a bad decision. And even back then, everybody knew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, how did it spread before we had cell phones? But that's just how rumors <laughs> happen, right? It was yeah. rumors. Yeah. And people knew. And, and that feeling. And I, so I had lots of fears in high school. I had... Like, oh my God, does everybody know that he broke up with me? Does everybody know that I was a horrible bee and I deserve to be broken up with? Like all of those things, you know, I felt like I was on display. I felt like my relationships were on display. I felt like everything I did was on display. I felt like in high school, people knew who, who earned good grades, who didn't. I, I don't know. I just felt like there was a lot that was going on. I was happy for it to be over. Mm was happy for the new beginning of going off to college and having a fresh start. Did you feel like once you got to college that all those things you just described, it was a huge lift? Like you no longer had to deal with that. It almost sounds like suppressing who you really are. Like you were able to, and, and it's similar. We had, a, we had another conversation with someone to talk very similarly about their experience where it was like, once they got to college, it was like like a sigh of relief that they could just settle and figure it all out. And and to your point, not really be under that microscope. 
Yes. Or what feels like a microscope. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't under the microscope anymore. I felt like I was just the, you know, small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Um, you know, and I felt like we were all just swimming around, just enjoying. And I felt like in college, like one week you could go to a frat party and then next week you could be studious and that was okay. Like I felt like you could be a part of multiple groups and that was okay. But something also started to happen too, which was I matured. I started to get more confident about who I was and who I was going to be in, in in this world a little bit too. Like I became more confident of like, all right, I'm loud, I'm outspoken, and at times I'm a little sassy, and at times I can be a bee, uh, and I can be moody. Like, and and once I accepted like all of those qualities are me, and the people that are going to be around me have to love that about me. Life got better. Mm. But I had to know what they were. Like, I tell my besties all the time, like, I went through a phase where I don't think I loved myself. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with myself in college. Like, that's... who I was was okay. Mm-hmm. Hey. And that's, it makes me emotional. Yeah. It's such a powerful thing because, trust me, there's so many of us that are still trying to get there that are still trying to figure out how do you accept who you are and how do you how do you fully embrace that i think it's it's really hard to to do that sometimes the volumes of literature and like self-help and Brene's and i mean everyone that's out there right so the fact that you were maybe not totally knowingly but conscious enough to say I'm okay and that you start to like yourself that's so important and I think having people that are listening to this spend a little bit of time and reflect on the great things about your you know what are the Mm -hmm. things that you like and all the things you described too which are forget what the value judgment is what society places on it like the sassy thing or you have a point of view or you you know things that may have you know, for whatever reason, a negative, those are what make you unique. And, and I'm, you and I were got to do something somewhat when we were working with kids on their brand statement. And what I love about that is each human being is unique and what you bring to the table, it's your unique handprint, footprint, whatever you want to call it. Nobody else has it. Figure it out and spend some time digging in there because that's what makes you special and makes you have an impact. I think the key, though, is that people are lost because they never make the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make the time to say, what is my footprint? What what makes me unique? What's good about me? Right. What are my challenges, too? Like, yeah, we can choose to love ourselves, but we have to know what our faults are, too, right? Like, yeah. you know, I know, like, my faults are that I'm opinionated and judgmental. Like, you know, like, I know that those are sometimes my faults when I'm around people that I love because I know I can look at you and be like, well, that's a dumb decision because I don't know how to hold it back, right? Well, but we're never given time in this world, in this fast-paced world yeah. that we live in, to just stop. And I think that's what happened in college, right? Because you go, right? You're, you're in high school and it's like seven and a half hours of school, then you're an athlete, and, or right. you have a club, and or you go to work. And so your whole day is consumed. Yep. You don't get this time. But you go to college and you have time because classes aren't as long and you created your schedule and sometimes you run out of money and you can't go out. So 
you're just gonna sit in your room and watch the movies um yeah or hang out with people right so there's this time that's this wonderful piece about going out to college that makes it worth every penny is that you get this time to find yourself and you're typically put in a situation you've never been put in before away from mom and dad siblings and with a roommate typically you don't know so you've got to use you know i think you refer to them as your soft skills right Right. you've got to use those skills of like okay we got to collaborate because we're in a 10 by 10 together like (laughs) we've got to communicate we've got to set rules like these are things you maybe have never really taken the time to do before um and they're so important in life because they make you ask yourself questions about yourself like is it going to bother me that you're bringing your boyfriend in here two days a week is it going to bother me that you're a slob and you don't pick up your clothes it's going to those even those small questions are self-reflective questions that we don't spend the time that's the unfortunate part about schools and and in life and being a parent is we forget to spend the time asking those self-reflection questions it's funny because i'm an hr professional you know that's that's really my background um i will i will workshop my kids all the time (laughs) and um you know i'm sure that's going to come back to haunt me but we'll i'll just get everyone in a room and be like let's break this down like what you know whatever the thing is that i want people to reflect on because i agree with you like you have to and as adults we have to do it like i'll bounce stuff off of missy all the time like you need another person to kind of Mm -hmm. be that voice or to you know kind of look back at you, have that mirror up, you know, it's really hard to do that in a vacuum and all by yourself for sure. Cause you weren't meant to do this thing in life yes, by yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Which, you know, probably is going to be your answer to my last question for you. But I guess on the soft skills front, I am curious, you and I have had a couple of conversations now because I am on this crusade to try to develop soft skills in young adults, particularly I think those in high school, college, and early in their professional career that's that's really the demo and I think depending on each phase there are certain components of these skills that mature and that are super important and I'm curious from your perspective and your observations share with me a little bit about how critical and how important they are at the high school level when we talk about communication and influence and collaboration and even, you know, presentation, like just the way that mm-hmm. you are with people, right? Those interpersonal skills. Yeah. I mean, think about it now. Like if you have none of those soft skills now, how are you surviving the quarantine? Like how mm-hmm. are you surviving right now where you're not, you can't just sit in the classroom and get credit because you, you walk through the, the frame of right. the classroom, right? right? Like now your distance learning has to be collaboration. You're going to have to chime in. You're going to have to communicate. You're going to have to present all of these things you're going to have to present and it can't be oh well she's shy or she's quiet and we know this about her she's been like this all school year like now you're, you're being challenged to use those skills those skills are huge and those skills are important I, I think this is another fault um is that we wait until that college component to start using those skills and we wait a little late for that um or we wait for that first job and then we struggle with that um, right but they're huge. I mean, communication is one of those things. Like, you can't have any relationship unless you know how to communicate. Right. right? You can't have a best friend. You know, all the girl drama you mm-hmm. deal with in high school. It's all behind communication. It's yeah. all behind, you know, did you talk about what her intentions were? No, I don't want to talk to her. Like, it's, <laughs> the, right. that's 
call communication. Those soft skills are so huge to just be successful beyond job, beyond career, just life. Do you want to have a functioning relationship one day? Well, you need to learn how to communicate. You you need to learn how to collaborate. You know, my husband and I, who've been married almost 20 years now, we can't, we're not successful because we just love each other. Like that ain't it. That ain't pulling us through every day. Right. No, we're successful in this relationship because we can communicate with each other because we can collaborate because we have to talk about what each other wants. We have to collaborate. We have to collaborate on what's best for the family. Like people joke us and they've joked us for years because I, my wedding advice or my marriage advice for people is operate it like you would operate a business, Mm -hmm. have your business meetings, have your finance meetings, (laughs) have your collaboration and your communication, agree, present, present where you want to go for vacation, present what you want to save money for, present why you want to move to that retirement home. You, you know, be that influencer in your relationship because you've got to, and then vote on it, right? Like majority wins, you vote on it, you sway your audience, whatever, but that's what makes a relationship going. And the love is just the foundation of it. Like, like the love is just the piece of it that kind of, you know, a little bit of the sticky glue you need here and there, but really the walls and the beams are communication, collaboration, all those soft skills. Like, that's the real world. I think too, what I, I, I have found both in those professionally, as I've seen people evolve in their careers, but I am seeing it now because I have high school age students, so I'm seeing it more, but those that are very good technically, whether it's in that academic discipline and within that system, they're super successful, recognizing that in order to translate that to anything, you need to be able to connect with other humans because just having the knowledge yourself and just being, having superior intellect is, isn't enough. I mean, you can be an individual contributor uh, to some degree, but but to really evolve in your career, to to get promotions, to get, to earn the money that you, you want, you need to parlay that subject matter expertise, whatever it is, to other people, and that's through influence and communication. And so I'm hoping that through some of the workshops we're doing and through some of the, to your point around self-reflection and getting people just a little bit earlier to start thinking about these things, right, yeah. and start to work on these skills, I think can only help them be successful. And to the parents out there, you know, the parents who are worried about their kids who aren't at the top of the class, who aren't getting good grades, right? You know, so I have two boys and one of my boys gives me what I call gives me the business as far as the school system goes. You know, it's nothing for the school to call me every other day about something he's done at school. But I'm not worried about him. And it took me a long time to get there. You know, I felt like a failure. I've cried through it, all of those things. But I'm not worried about him because he has all of these skills. He... He may not have the good grades and they, he might irritate every administrator in that building because he can't sit in a seat, but boy, can he communicate and boy, can he collaborate and boy, oh boy, is he a good presenter and an influencer. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and, and so therefore I'm not, it took me a long time as a parent to get here. I'm not even going to lie, you know, yeah. but now that I'm here, now I don't have that concern, right? Because I know that these are going to be the skills that are more important, you know, 10 years from now when he's working or in college, wherever he is, wherever life may lead him, they're not going to ask about his middle school grades and his middle school discipline report, right? <laughs> they're not. Yeah. And as long as I could keep him in somebody's school, 
even by the hair is chinny chin chin. Okay. That's what I've had to come to. And I think like, like that's another piece of any parent who's listening. Yeah. Like stop being so hard on yourself. And, and we, as parents ourselves, we got to start sharing the truth of parenting. Like it's not perfect. And we all, we all make mistakes and we all do bad things and our kids aren't perfect. And that's not a reflection of us. And that's okay. And it's okay to share that. It's okay to share my kid really screwed up instead of us posting. Yeah. Like, you know, I get so angry every time, like, Oh, like every quarter, right. You look on social media, my kid made the A Uh, honor roll. Kid A made A B honor roll. Oh, gag my eyes out. Uh, I don't like, I want to post so bad. My kid didn't get suspended this quarter. (laughs) That's the win. Like everybody's win is different. And like, like, well, and, and there's not just, get, yeah, there's not just one way that, that the thing you said about celebrating what they have that's unique and awesome and different. And, you know, living in this area, you you feel like there's only one way to be uh, successful and only one way to be, you know, frankly, worthy um, in terms of these kids in this environment. And t- like you. Uh, I got, you know, we got a mixed bag here and I, they're phenomenal humans. And that's really from the beginning, that's all I wanted was to raise good humans and hope that they find happiness in whatever they want to do. And so I have to constantly check myself against what am I, what kind of pressure am I putting on them and, and for who? And that's, right. you know, to your point about like, I'm with you. I ask Missy, I, I joke about my kids and their mis- their shortcomings and I, but I love it too. It's not even yeah. like we all, we all, we have a jingle at our house that if, if it's the Freemans, it's broken because everything in our house is broken. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we all just laugh because it's, it's just who we are. And like, the more you kind of take in that, the, the stuff that makes us, I think, it just makes us even better, right? Because we can laugh at it right. and, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so my last question, and, and you've talked about it a little bit, but maybe I don't know if you're going to give the same answer, but in terms of your younger self, right? So you talked about your your high school and middle school self and even maybe your college self, like given all of your experience and what you've observed, what advice would you give her to help her out, to help young Sonia out? do the things that you love not because you had to or somebody told you to Mm. love it it would just be that simple like yeah yeah figuring that out a lot earlier I got there yeah I I mean I love what I do every day that's fantastic yeah so I got there and and that's another thing too. be forgiving be forgiving of yourself you'll get there yeah I mean who, who cares how long it takes you to get there? Yeah. That's that's a part of the testimony in the story. You know? Yeah, it's fun. It, it is. It is. If I wasn't an awkward teenager who had challenges, then what would I be offering kids who walk into my office every day going through something, right? It's incredible. When you haven't lived a perfect life, any kid who walks in, you can go, oh, I remember that time. Ooh, do I tell the kid this one or do I, you know, like, yeah, and that that's destiny that like that's that's our purpose that's our testimonies that's that's what we're here for and that's what we're here to share to other people i love that thank you so much i really appreciate it it was such a great conversation 
Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me to the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Sonia. What a gift. Your words of encouragement and wisdom are so helpful. As Sonia mentioned, there are a lot of resources for both parents and teens in Fairfax County, so please make sure that you access them and use them as you need to. After this conversation, I worked on being a little bit more vulnerable and honest with my kids about my own mistakes, and it's been pretty cool to see how they react, and uh, I think it's actually brought us a little bit closer. So thank you, Sonia. A very special thanks to Missy, my producer on this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe, leave comments, and rate Relatable. We can be found on most streaming platforms. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter and the TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.